Purpose of Discovery, a clinical research podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. My name is Alan Goh, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Sonelish Samani. Professor Samani is the Medical Director of the British Heart Foundation. He's a former BHF Professor of Cardiology and Head of the Department of Cardiovascular Sciences at the University of Leicester. He's also a consultant cardiologist at the Cardiac Centre, Glenfield Hospital, Leicester, where he continues to undertake clinical work. In his research, Professor Samani has made major contributions to our understanding of the genetic basis of coronary artery disease and the relationship between biological ageing and the development of cardiovascular diseases. For his services to the community, Professor Samani was made a Deputy Lieutenant of Leicestershire in 2009 and in 2015 New Year's Honours List, Professor Samani was awarded a knighthood for his contribution to medicine and medical research. Professor Samani, thank you very much for speaking with us today. The British Heart Foundation is one of the largest medical charities in the UK, and you state your mission is to win the fight against cardiovascular disease, and your vision is a world in which people do not die prematurely or suffer from cardiovascular disease. This clearly involves a number of strategies, including building public awareness, education and training, but also research. And it's that important aspect of the Foundation's work that I would like to focus on today, if I may, especially your role as a major funder of clinical research. So can I begin by asking you to tell us a little bit about that role of the BHFs, that of a research funder? Uh, good afternoon, Ellen. It's, 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 it's a great pleasure to be speaking to you. Um, so the BHF was set up in 1961, really by doctors who were concerned about the epidemic of cardiovascular disease and they really recognized that research was the way forward in trying to solve this problem. And indeed, you know, it, as you said, it is the, one of the major funders of research, cardiovascular research worldwide. You know, certainly the major funder of cardiovascular research in the UK, we fund more than 50% of all the cardiovascular research in the UK. Um, and the, currently we spend about just over 100 million pounds a year funding research. We spend about 20 to 30 million pounds a year supporting prevention, support and survival. So this is the sort of external facing thing about implementation of our research, but over 100 million pounds uh, on research. And there's a commitment to spending at least that much over the next five, each year over the next five years. And could you give us an idea of the, the kinds of things you're funding? Are you funding yeah. projects or people yeah. or institutions? All of those things. So we are primarily what we describe as a resp response mode funder. So we, you know, we don't have a top-down strategy saying, you know, this is all what we want to fund. We wait for people to come with their best ideas, and, and we fund what we think is the best research from those ideas. Mm -hmm. So we fund all of those things. So, so we have five different funding committees, so just to give you a flavor of the sort of things we fund. So our most prestigious committee, or the biggest one, is the, which funds BHF chairs, so BHF professors, and also program grants. So program grants are research you know, over five years, costing perhaps between one and two million pounds of research, and that's sort of to test a, a, bro a very important major question. The next committee is project grants. So project grants are very circumscribed, specific question you want to answer, but it's costing about 300,000 um, pounds a year or, or, or that amount, and usually lasting three years. And then we have, uh, of, you know, you should be investing in people, so we fund fellowships, mm -hmm. uh, ranging from very early fellowship for PhD studentships all the way to senior basic and clinical fellowships. Mm -hmm. um, 
More recently, we set up two new committees. One is around clinical studies or clinical trials, which we used to fund in the past, but we now have a specific focus, which again funds a randomized clinical trial of some sort. And we set up a translational committee, which really tries to take some of the basic research in the bench side into that phase where it may translate into some usefulness for patients. All research funders, including I'm sure the BHF, face a similar dilemma. I mean, you have to decide how to use your finite resources. I know you told us just how much money you spend in research, but it is still finite. So I'm sure you receive many more applications for funding than you can actually fund. So could you tell us a little bit about how you make those very difficult decisions? So we, uh, you know, we have for all each of these areas that I've just mentioned in terms of funding, we have a, um, a, a committee with an independent chair from us uh, who, who, who assesses it and we have a peer review system effectively. So we have external peer, re peer review of all, of our all the applications we get and the committee in a sense also reviews the applications in great detail. So we are very confident that we have a very fairly robust system as do other funders of you know, major, re major research funders in the UK that the decisions we make are, are based on good uh, evidence and, and peer reviewed. Um, I think that's a, that's a model that works very well, um, uh, and we don't have any plans to sort of change that system. Mm -hmm. There's a swell in, in opinion at the moment calling for greater transparency in clinical research, in particular perhaps greater accessibility to research findings. And this has in large part been led by some of the major charitable funders. Could you tell me how the British Heart Foundation views this and what position you're taking on it? So we we, um, we are absolutely signed up to that. You know, our funding entirely comes from the public. Yes. You know, we don't get government money. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we are funded by the goodwill of the public who wish to see you know, new research in cardiovascular medicine. So we need to be sure that therefore the, the findings of our, of our research are made public. Mm -hmm. So we entirely support the open access policy and indeed have signed up to that. So that all of our, all the research we fund and we fund over a thousand projects and we have a thousand active projects at any one time. We expect them, if they do publish something, to make it publicly available through open access. More importantly, we urge our researchers, and we have meeting, you know, we hold meetings throughout the country. We support researchers having meetings, what we call stakeholder meetings or meetings of our supporters, so that you know people can go and see the research being done. In fact, I was in, in, a, in a meeting you know, in, in Edinburgh last week where we had one of these stakeholder meetings where you know, uh, the public came mm -hmm. and you know, we ex the, the professors and, and other researchers in, in Edinburgh explained their research and then they had a tour of the laboratory showing the sort of things we fund. Mm -hmm. So we are very keen to engage patients, you know, to, to inform patients of the impact of the research we are funding. More importantly, of late, particularly for the Clinical Studies Committee that I mentioned, we actually have lay membership of that committee. So, and, and we have, uh, so peop we have a, a group of lay people who look at all our clinical studies, provide a comment, mm -hmm. and, are, and, and then a couple of them sit, actually sit on the funding committee making the decision about funding. Mm -hmm. So we want them to be involved even at that stage, both in terms of telling us what sort of research we should fund, mm -hmm. you know, and seeing the process through, and obviously seeing the outputs of that research. That seem to be a very important aspect of a modern approach to clinical research because time and again we've seen studies showing us that when patients are asked what their priorities are they're very different from what often researchers are thinking about so and it does allow you to spend your money where it's going to be most useful most important and, and the insight that they bring 
in terms of how a study, you know, one of the key things about clinical research is recruitment of patients to the study, you know. And, and you know, an investigator or a researcher may think this is a perfect protocol, you know, and we'll, you know, we're very confident they're going to recruit, but you find that the, the lay perspective on the protocol and the inconvenience it might put patients to and so on, which may not have been factored in, yes. is a really useful insight as to how well this study is going to recruit. And we already have some good examples mm -hmm. where it's very clear mm -hmm. that, there's a, you know, that the patients or the public's in, in, insight into this has been fantastic in, 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 in modifying the protocol. We're already talking a little bit about how things are developing, but I wonder if I could just ask you to look a little further into the future and to think about how you see an organisation like the British Heart Foundation developing in the future, how it will evolve perhaps as a funder or what its role will be in the clinical research landscape. So, you know, it's very, I mean, there, I can, there are a number of different things I can tell you about in that context. The first one, of course, is, the, you know, the impact of a research is borderless. So I'm very keen as a medical director to ensure that every pound we spend leverages the best quality science. Yes. And the way you can do this, of course, is to partner up with international funders. And so I'm very keen that as we move forward, particularly in the post-Brexit era, mm -hmm. that we have strong relationship with funders internationally and that we more, more fund research that is joined. Now we need to make it easier for investigators to do that. So what we don't want is a double jeopardy that somebody uh, requests you know, funding from an overseas source and other investigators funding from the UK, and they never quite synchronize the funding. So we're having conversations with funders who say, look, why don't we consider a grant that is, you know, put in together by the applicants? We have it peer-reviewed, as we do, and, and if the grant is felt to be worth funding, then we are responsible for the funding the UK component, you're responsible for funding the overseas, you know, your component, and the work will be better for all of us. So that's one, you know, so international funding, I'm very keen that we do more international research. So that's one area. The other sort of exciting thing that I picked up when I came here, of course, is this move around big data and data science. And we've, we've had conversations with, for example, the Ellen Turing Institute, which is the Institute of Mathematics, to see how we can, you know, we can leverage novel approaches such as machine learning and algorithms. So the big data that we hold in the UK space with obvious governance issues around patient yes. confidentiality and so on. But if you can do that, that I think will bring additional benefit mm -hmm. uh, to, to the sort of work we do. And the final area, which you know, uh, in, I hope in the sort of times that I'm a medical director, that will have made substantial progress towards clinical uh, utility, will be in, term, in terms of regenerative medicine. So the one sort of big gap we have uh, is, is you know, heart muscle when it dies dies mm -hmm. and and you know if if we can improve and a lot of people we, we people survive their heart attacks now but many people are left with damaged hearts and if we can improve that element mm -hmm. which is to restore heart function mm -hmm. then that would be in, and it is what regenerative medicine provides i think that would be a a, a great advance so you know, we fund three centers so you know i think you mentioned the sort of funding we do i've mentioned about our committees but we also support BHF centers of excellence, and we support also support three centers for regenerative medicine, specifically directed mm -hmm. uh, towards uh, trying to realize the potential of stem cells and, re and regenerative medicine. And they're already making great inroads into this, mm -hmm. and we hope that in the next five to ten years, we are really well on advanced towards the sort of clinical translation of, of yeah. that sort of research. Because it does seem to be very much that 
an organisation like the VHF relies very much on the, the complementarity of basic research and yes. clinical research together. You, you've always funded both yeah. and continue to and, do and, so. and, and, and we'll continue to do that. I mean, at the moment, the, the split is um, you know, somewhere around 75-25, so the clinical, uh, we've, we've, you know, we, we, the basic research really, we feel is really important for us to support the discovery. But you just don't know, you know, I mean, a lot of people think that you can direct mm -hmm. the discoveries. You read, okay, you need to provide an overall strategy, but as you said, we are a response mode funder because you just don't know where the discoveries are going to come, exactly. which, will, which will change people's lives. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the stem cell things, you know, one could have said, well, that's all, all science fiction, that wasn't going to happen, but we, there's progress being made. Yeah. We don't want to overhype it. Yeah. We need to be careful about that as well. But there's real potential there, yeah. and we need to recognize this. The final, I mean, the, the fourth area that's of interest is, of course, around, also around personalized medicine. This comes stems from my work in, in gene genetics, my own background is in genetics, because I think, uh, you know, we've tended to look at average benefits across things. So if you take statins, you know, the month, you know, people benefit from statins, you know, on average by 30%. Mm -hmm. You know, is, does everybody benefit the same? Do some people benefit a lot more? Do some people not benefit less? I, th I think we need, a lit need to be a little bit more uh, uh, savvy about, about personalizing medicine. You know, we got to make some great advances in cardiovascular medicine, probably the best area of medicine in terms of evidence based in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, th there's clearly a huge amount of work still to be done. I mean, what was it Medawar said? I think uh, there is poetry in science, but there's also a lot of bookkeeping. Okay. Professor Samani, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been The Business of Discovery, a podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. Thanks for listening.